Welcome to the City Church Podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website, www.thecity.sg. Good morning, church. Happy New Year. You know, it's a Awesome privilege that I can speak to you during Chinese New Year period and also Valentine's Day. You know, the church is very nice to me to give me a special occasion to speak to you. The last online service, you know, um, in, uh, in the video recording like that. And I just really want to say that I'm really excited to come back to the church again where we can just meet together in person. And I just want to encourage you guys that, you know, to get yourself out from the mode of just staying at home. But when you have the opportunity to come to church, to be in the service, I would just want to encourage you to come and be a part of the community to worship God and to hear His Word together. You know, today I, I just want to, you know, give you a word um, that I think the Lord is also doing in my heart uh, for a period of time. And it's about a resolve for the end. Yes, there's going to be some form of end time uh, kind of uh, teaching in this, but I just want to come, come with this as a pastoral as well as a help for all of us to live in light of the end. We live in a very interesting time and season right now um, in the world. You know, I think we all can uh, see the words in a different kind of uh, environment that, is, that we can no longer live the same way. And it feels like there is a disruption uh, that's happening around the world. But I really feel like this is actually a season where God is actually transiting us from one season to another as a church, as a people of God. You know, over the last two years of uh, my intentional time of studying the scriptures in light of what is happening, um, I have never felt a greater sense of urgency uh, than all my 20 years of Christian life put together. And it feels as though that, you know, we are living in a time frame where we have the potential to see Bible verses you know, unfold before our eyes. In the, and in the midst of all that's happening, the, all the people are saying, I really feel like the Lord is inviting us to come to a place where we need to understand what He has to say about the world that we are transiting into in the midst of all the noise and the narrative that the world is painting and throwing at us. If not, we will be, have, we might have the tendency to be disappointed, in the worst case, become offended with God because our expectation of what the world is going to be you know, is different from, you know, what we expect God has said. And I just want to say that God is inviting us to a place where we can have understanding of the times and the season that we are living in so that we can play a part to participate in what He wants to do in this present day and age so that we can actually prepare people for what is to come and to embrace the second coming of Jesus uh, in this time. You know, I just want to say without having the ability to, you know, we won't be able to delight in the works of God in the end times until we learn to delight in the Word of God in peacetime. And this is a time for us to really come to a place to grow in understanding, to delight in His ways, in His Word, and His, all that, in all, and His will in this season. And Jesus actually gave us an application to this whole subject matter of end time. You know, for most of us, when we think about end time or the approach to the subject of end time is we have this mindset of like, ah, it's not relevant, it's not applicable presently for me because there's no immediate application that can produce an immediate result of fruit for my present stage in life. It's like so long later, you know, 2,000 years it is still not here. And we have this mentality where we just kind of like, Throw your scientists, it's not relevant. But Jesus' approach towards end time is not so much about what we can do, 
but to have understanding. You know, in Matthew 24, Jesus gave us a summary about the end times, drawing references from the Old Testament prophets, and his application to us is this, go and understand. Let the reader understand what the prophets is, was saying. I just want to read Matthew 24, verse 14 to us. And if you have your Bibles, um, just open it up. And I just want to read Matthew 24, verse 14 through 16. It says that, And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. And how do you know what the end is? This is what he says in verse 15. So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken by the prophets Daniel, standing in a holy place, and then there's this preface that says, let the reader understand. And then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, and so on and so forth. God gave a series of instructions for those people who live in that day and how we should prepare ourselves. But the thing is this, the subject matter of end times is a matter of our worldview. It affects the way we look at God. It affects the way we look at the church and the world. And to have the right understanding biblically of what is to come, how it will come, and why it must, it must come will lead us to a right application of living that will prepare us and the generation to come to shine brightly in the darkest hour of human history. And my encouragement to all of us here is this. You know, for the sake of your children and those whom you love, this is a time to ask God for understanding with regards to His redemptive plan, not just in His first coming, but also His second. And if Jesus say, let the reader understand, uh, understand what the prophet has to say, it means that the subject matter of end time is understandable. It's something that we can understand and there's a portion of grace that He wants to impart to us to understand so that we can live prepared. You know, since 2020, there is a heightened sense of uh, awareness for the second coming of Jesus just because of the context of our world, you know, due to COVID-19 and all the unrest that's happening around the world. And I just want to say that with an increase of awareness of the end times and the second coming of Jesus, I believe there is a call to participation in a place of preparation as we enter into the days of biblical prophecies. And to put it plainly, what, what do I mean by that is that I think there's a call to live intentionally in light of what is to come. By making a resolve to, be, to, be remain, to remain faithful in God's word and our witness of Jesus and his leadership. And um, in, you know, in our earlier reading about Matthew 24, Jesus actually highlighted a person called Daniel and he also specifically uh, highlighted an event called the Abomination of Desolation that served as an ultimate marker of the end of the age. And accompanied with that political event, which, uh, which is the only event politically that Jesus asked us to pay attention to, not anything else but this one particular one, that when you begin to see, when you see that event, you know, in that, in that event, when that event happens, there is going to be a period of transition where Jesus calls it the Great Tribulation. Uh, and he says that it is one of the toughest. In fact, I just want to say it in his own words, Jesus said that there will be a tribulation, a great tribulation, such as this has not been from the beginning of the world until now, and it will never be, which means this. This is going to be the most intense period in all of human history. And this is what we are called to prepare ourselves for. This, Jesus is calling us to prepare ourselves for the greatest trouble of all human history. The question is, are we able to stand with God in times, in, a, in, a, in an hour of greatest crisis and trouble? If right now things 
around our lives begin to crumble and fall, all our hopes and dreams that we cling on to is no longer accessible to us. And our rights and our privileges as human beings is being stripped off and removed. And we as a threat of our life to demand uh, something that, we, that, is, that is against our value and our faith. Are we able to stand when that day comes? That is what we are preparing ourselves for. And that is why we need to ask God to give us understanding in this time of peacetime where we can understand His ways to grow in wisdom and to live intentionally. You know, I would like to talk to you about the abomination of desolation, but that's not for today. In fact, I just want to encourage you by giving you a few handles on how you can live intentionally in light of the end by drawing from the wisdom of Daniel since Jesus pointed us to him. And I believe that Daniel is actually a prototype for the church. The wisdom of Daniel was the source for the resolve, from the resolve that he made for the Lord as he was living in Babylon. And I just want to give a quick um, uh, framework to just help you see the book of Daniel and the person of Daniel. I, really, I believe there are two reasons why the book of Daniel is important for the church, especially in the end times, because it is a prototype. One, Daniel's life, which is in chapter 1 to chapter 6, is a model for the end time church in a godless world. The manner of his living, the way he presented himself, the way he carries his heart, the way he served the king's court, and yet not compromising in his values towards God. I believe that that is a model for the church in the end times, carrying an excellent spirit to seek the welfare of the city, but at the same time, not compromising in our witness and our values for God. That is the first uh, reason why Daniel is important. The second reason why Daniel is important is because Daniel's divine revelation from chapter 7 to 12 is actually the gospel message, message which the church will be proclaiming to bring comfort to God's people in the midst of great trouble and, and, warn, and to give a warning to the oppressors. And I believe these two things is key for us to carry as believers because it's it, it kind of... Uh, give us a model in terms of how we should live and also our witness in the message that we are to proclaim. This encapsulates our Christian life. And we want to look to Daniel as a reference point for us to live and prepare ourselves uh, in the context of what will happen at the end. And I just want to give a preface to frame our, the way we engage the book of Daniel because I know that when we think about Daniel, lots of things come to our mind. The key message and theme of the book of Daniel has nothing to do with redeeming and transforming Babylon for God with the power and the influence that was given to him. There's no emphasis. That's not the key theme of the book of Daniel. Contrary to that, the vision that Daniel received from the Lord was about the destructions of these this empires and kingdoms. While God himself will establish an everlasting kingdom on the earth through a, the person called the Son of Man, his, whom we know as Jesus. You know, so we all have a mindset when we think about Daniel, it's about let's get power, let's get influence and transform the culture of the world. I mean, we are called to seek the welfare of the city, but there's nothing in the theme of Daniel that talks about taking over or even to take, I mean, transform Babylon or a nation for God. We are called to shape the, shape the culture, yes, in some ways to promote the value of the kingdom, to serve the welfare of the city. But the key theme of Daniel is really this. It's in his uncompromising resolve for the Lord as an exile, as a foreigner in the land that produced a wisdom that preserved a remnant who will choose God and to be a part of God's holy nation 
under the leadership of Jesus. Simply this, God wants to preserve a people, a remnant who will choose the ways of God and to be a part of His nation and His kingdom in the midst of a Babylonian world. There's nothing about transforming a Babylon nation to make it God's nation. God in Himself has His own nation and we are part of it. And this is called the kingdom of God. So with that, I'm going to give you two results of Daniel that will help. They'll give you two, some handles in how you can actually live intentionally in light of the end. Uh, with these two, I pray that God will kickstart something in your life. And I pray that it will be helpful for you uh, to dive even deeper into God's narrative with your lifestyle, as well as to understand what He has to do. So I'm just going to give you the first, the first one. The first result of Daniel is this, that helped him to stay true to God in an ungodly world is this, Daniel's resolve with his appetite. <laughs> I know that we all just come, you know, we're just having our Chinese meal, we're enjoying our steamboat, we're indulging in all the good food, the goodies and, and cookies and stuff like that. But I just want to read from Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. This is why it says, Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And if you're going to read on, you know, he basically requested for just a certain kind of dietary and lifestyle, and that kind of where we draw from Daniel, uh, draw from the, the whole idea of fasting, uh, with just the Daniel fast, where he eats only vegetables and, and really food that has no taste. Um, in fact, right now we are in the midst of a Daniel fast with the community in Burning Hearts, and I just want to say that it is, it is as, I mean, I would rather not eat than to eat just vegetables. Just, just my point, it's hard. <laughs> anyway, you know, in the, 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 thing, the thing is this, Daniel resolve for not partaking the king's food stems from two convictions. First, it is conviction to not make food an idol or touch anything that's unclean according to God's commandment. You have to understand that Daniel is a Jewish boy. He lived with a Jewish, uh, by a Jewish, Jewish law and, and, and commandments. And for the king to present a, uh, his range of food, you know, if Daniel were to partake it, it's basically as good as breaking uh, his covenant and, his co and, and the laws of God uh, in a context. So Daniel chose to keep the commandments of God by not eating anything unclean. In fact, if I could just switch it around to make it more relevant for us, it's basically Daniel was, was just choosing not to embrace the lifestyle of a pagan and who has basically indulged themselves with the pleasures of their flesh. This is the result of Daniel. There's one reason why he's not taking the king's food, to, not to embrace the lifestyle of the king and the pagan, the Babylonian uh, culture, and not to indulge himself with the pleasures, uh, with, with pleasures uh, to just indulge in their flesh. And the second conviction that stems from his resolve for, for his diet is this, a conviction to not depend, to basically to depend on God as his ultimate source instead of living in dependence of having a friendship with a pagan king. You know, you have to understand by eating king's food represents accepting king's friendship the friendship with the empire. And to share food is to commit oneself to a relationship. You know, when you eat together, it's like, hey, let's go and hang out, man. That's basically a sign of friendship. And to share food and to eat at a, at a king's table is a commitment to oneself to a relationship. And Daniel does not refuse the training of the king or use a new name that was given to him, but he draw a line 
at, at the eating of king's food because it is a public declaration of dependency on the king. So Daniel's resolve is actually a statement that he chose not to rely on Nebuchadnezzar, that he's saying that you are not my source, God is. In the Bible, there, is, there are two gods that, you know, that God actually put in the Bible that is outrightly you know, at our face. He just said, these are the two gods. And one is stated by Jesus, the other one is stated by Paul. The two gods that the Bible talks a lot about is money and belly. You look at your belly and you say, oh my gosh, you are a god. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, Jesus said, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one or love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And Philippians 3, chapter, eight, uh, chapter 3, verse 18 to 21, Paul said this, For many of, of whom I have often told you and, and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross, their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and the glory is their shame, with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to become, to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself. I just want to say that the subject matter of our belly is not so much about food being evil, just like money. The, the real issue lies in our love for food and money that, and, by, and making them our source of satisfaction and pleasure. It is an issue of our indulgence of things for the pleasure of our body, soul, and mind. If I can give another word that is biblical, it's called lust. It's called carnality. I believe what Paul was saying is that if we can subdue and have self-control in our appetite and over these things and master them, we can, actually over, we can actually master our flesh and begin to rule it accordance to God's way of living. And it's also interesting to see that Paul relates our appetite with the second coming of Jesus. And Jesus basically set a context for us in, in Luke chapter 17, which I want to uh, read to you. He actually set a context of what the end times is going to look like by giving us a reference of two generations. One is called a generation of uh, of Noah and generation of Lot. And in Luke chapter 17, verse uh, 26, it says, Just as in the days of Noah, so will it be the days of the Son of Man. They were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot, they were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But on the day when Lot went out from Sodom, Fire and sulfur rain from heaven destroy them all, so it will be on the day when the Son of Man is revealed. This is a hard truth, especially for us here in Singapore. I mean, we just came out from a festive mood where we eat to our heart's content. But the thing is this, we often glory in our identity as foodie. We go for buffets, we hunt for nice food trail, we have shows that we like to watch called Food King Good. And all these things are great. You know, we always wanting to look for the next good food that we can fill our tummy and be set, our tummy and be satisfied in. But somehow we kind of forgot about the practice of gluttony is actually a practice of sin. It's something that we don't talk a lot about anymore, but it's in the eyes of God, it's actually a practice of sin. The sin of gluttony is actually the substitution of the blessing of food that God has given to us and making them a source of our satisfaction and comfort instead of God. 
The effects of it is this, spiritual downness, lethargy, and death. Paul said in Romans chapter 8, verse 5 to 8, he says that for those who live according to the flesh and set their mind on the things of the flesh, for, but, those, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For, the, for to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, and for it does not submit to God's law, and indeed it cannot. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And again, the whole subject matter of food and belly is not in so much about food itself as evil, but it's how we take food and begin to make them our source of pleasure and satisfaction and to, to, to kind of gratify our cravings in our carnal, lustful, in a carnal and lustful way. If we ever want to see the increase of the Holy Spirit activity and leadership in our life and a lesser resistance towards God's leadership um, in, the day, in, in our lives in the last days, we have to learn to exercise self-control and create a healthy boundary to, for us to enjoy the blessings of food. And I call that healthy boundary a fasted life. I know fasting is something that we you know, don't really like to think about, but Daniel's resolve to be undefiled and remain true to God is by living their fasted life. And that resolve was actually the key to his life of wisdom because the fear of the Lord was evident. And until we make a resolve in our appetite and to master over our belly, we will self-medicate our wounds and find comfort in our soul with food when we face the greatest trial in human history. We will turn not to God, but we will turn to food. And that's how you know, people begin to give over themselves over to the things of the flesh to indulge themselves. We all, when we are down, when we are depressed, some of us will turn to food. Some of us will basically do something else. You know, but it's always... We are always looking for a place of comfort and most of the time, the most immediate thing is our belly. And so I just want to you know, say this and encourage you guys, you know, especially for those of us here who are struggling with the issue of food and eating habits, I just want to say that there's no shame and there's no condemnation in that. There is power in a God-centered community where we can journey into our breakthrough together by living a life of accountability and prayer. I believe Daniel is able to, was able to remain steadfast in his resolve because of his friends. Together, they made the same resolve. They walked together, keeping each other accountable and strengthened one another when, they are weak in our, when we are weak in our resolve. And I just want to say that City Church has a set of a rule of life and one of the rule of life is fasting. And I just want to encourage you guys to, you know, since the church has something like that for us, Use that as an opportunity to live a fasted lifestyle. When I talk about fasted lifestyle, I'm not asking you to fast 24-7. I talk, I'm talking about having a rhythm of fasting where you learn to control, have self-control in your diet, in the way you handle food and pleasures, and begin to live in that fasted manner with a community. Get a few friends, a family members, and begin to do it together and set aside time to say, let's control our appetite. Let's control our intake of of uh, good pleasures and not overdoing it and use that as a way to master your soul. So that's very important. I know it's like, what? Really food? Yes, food. Food is a trigger. 
food reveals a lot of things to us and Daniel actually shows us that that is a key point to stay faithful to God and to live in, in a sense of spiritual heightenedness of being aware of what God is saying and doing with wisdom. If you don't do that, you might be, just be staying in a place of lethargy and spiritual downness. You'll be swayed by anything that throws at your way because you are not aware of what the Holy Spirit is saying and doing in this time and age. The second resolve, and I'm going to come to an end, is this. A, Daniel has a resolve to understand the leadership of God in his redemptive plan. I just want to read from Daniel chapter 10, verse 10 to verse 14. If you are there, read your, turn your Bibles with me to Daniel chapter 10, verse 10 to verse 14. And this is what it says. And behold, a hand touched me and set me, trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken these words to me, I stood up trembling. And then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for, the, for from the first day that you have set your heart to understand and humble yourself before God, your words have been heard. And I have come because of your words. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me for 21 days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. For I was left there with the king of Persia and came to, you, uh, came to make you understand what is, happen, what is to happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision is for the days yet to come. And I just want to make a quick uh, observation here. There were only a few times in the Bible where God would actually dispatch and send a high-ranking angel, knowing Gabriel, to deliver a message or information. In the New Testament, you, you get to see my, um, Gabriel, came, uh, he came to Zechariah to announce the birth of John the Baptist, who is the forerunner messenger, who will go before Jesus to prepare the way for his appearance. And the second time that Gabriel appeared, you know, in, in the Bible was Mary. He came to Mary to announce the birth of Jesus, saying that he is the savior of the world. And here you have another you know, portion of scripture where you see Gabriel was sent by God. Not only Gabriel, but Michael. Both of the angels, there's high-ranking angels, were sent, to, uh, sent to, to Daniel. And Gabriel did not just show up. Michael was dispatched to fight the resistance in the realm of the heavens just so that Gabriel could deliver the message to Daniel. I just want to make a point. If God were to do something like that by sending these angels, you know, high-ranking one, to give Daniel a message, they're like the same way that he would send Gabriel to announce the coming of the Messiah and John the Baptist. This tells me this. It tells me this. This piece of information here that you are about to read, this whole revelation that Daniel received from the Lord, is a very important piece of information. It's something that is as important as the announcement of the birth of Jesus and John. These angels were sent on the basis of the verse that we just read described, that described the resolve of Daniel. And I'm just going to read that again. He says, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you have set your heart to understand and humble yourself before God, your words, or you can, put the, you can change the words to prayer, have been heard, and I have come because of your words or prayer. And I believe that there are four keys in this simple phrase that actually can help us to grow in divine understanding. It says the first, the first key is, Gabriel said, fear not. When we choose to remove the barrier of fear in engaging the message that's in this passage, in these seven chapters, 
you know, God, you know, this basically is an entry point for us to come to a place of understanding. And not only do we need to remove the barrier of fear when we choose to set our hearts to understand, then he says that, Daniel, you set your heart to understand on the first day, which means that the first time when he was, he encountered this message, he purposed and set his heart, a resolve to say, I want to understand. It's intense. It's hard to understand. It's a bit, um, it's a bit hard to even like comprehend some of the details. But yet he make a resolve in his heart and say, I'm making a resolve and says, I want to understand. I set my heart to understand by engaging the message. And not only did he set his heart to engage the message, he also humbled himself before God by wrestling through the details that confronts his expectation and pride. There is a humbling process where it says, God, there are things here that may not sound logical, that's beyond my comprehension, it doesn't make sense, it's too intense. But yet, Daniel chose to humble himself and says, God, your ways are higher, your leadership is greater. I will, I will wrestle through these words until I've come to a place where I'm fully submitted to what you want, want to do. And in the midst of that, he basically pray to ask God for understanding. Fear not. Set your heart to understand, humble yourself, and pray. And when you begin to do this, guess what? God sends divine help to help you to understand this message. It's not something that we can comprehend with our own human intellect or mind. It requires us to press into a place where we open our hearts to remove the barrier of fear and begin to set our hearts to say, God, I really want to understand your redemptive plan at the end of the age. And not only that, you humble yourself to wrestle through these words and until you submit yourself fully over to these words and you keep asking for understanding. God will send His divine help to you and to make you understand. I'm just going to close with this and you know, uh, this is more of a personal journey and story. I wasn't like crazy about the book of Daniel and stuff like that, but it was somewhat uh, somewhere about 2017, uh, if you guys were familiar with Lou Anger and how he, when he came to Singapore, and he came with a, with a strong prophetic word, and he said, you know, God has given Singapore a book, and it says the book of Daniel. And so whenever a word like that comes forth, you know, it's either we say, wow, great, we have a book of Daniel, and I'm sure most people would think, oh, Daniel, yeah, marketplace, you know, we just get some authority, power, influence, you know, nation, and transform nation. But I know deep in my heart, I know that there's something more to that, and so prophetic word always serve as an invitation from God to participate in what He wants to say or what He wants to do uh, with us. It's an invitation. So what we did during 2018 when we heard that word, you know, we feel like this is a time where we want to really press in deeper. Since if God has given us book Daniel, let's go for it. So what we did was we responded as Daniel did to contend for understanding. In, in, uh, and basically, we fasted for 21 days and we studied the book of Daniel from chapter 7 to chapter 12, and which is basically, which was something that we, we were kind of wrestling in our hearts. This is too hard to swallow because the, the whole entire seven chapters or six chapters is just filled with mysteries and pictures and images that is just so hard to understand. And it's so, so intense as well. And, but despite of the intensity of the message and the vision, no, but what transpired in the 21 days was this. The beauty of the Son of Man that's written in Daniel chapter 7 overshadows everything else, the rage and the evil plan of this beast that was in the book of Daniel, this Antichrist figure. And somehow this picture and the beauty of this 
you know, son of man in Daniel 7 gave us a sense of assurance of the ultimate end of the story. It centers around him having, a, having all dominion and glory and an everlasting kingdom that will be that will made up with every nation, tribe and tongue. You know, we have been reading, we read, we read, we just keep reading about the events and how intense it's going to be, people are going to die and blah, blah, blah. It's so intense, but somehow our eyes kept going back to Daniel 7 to just keep looking at this person called the Son of Man. And we all know this Son of Man described in Daniel is the person of Jesus. And there is this unusual sense of assurance and confidence in his leadership and in the promise that he has been given a kingdom that's everlasting. All other kingdoms will pass away, but his will remain forever. So we came out from the fast having a renewed sense of confidence in the leadership of Jesus and his ability to redeem to deliver, to save, and to resurrect a people from the great tribulation. And at the same time, in our knowledge of His power and ability, there is also a growing, deep longing for the return where we will see this Son of Man come in the clouds to put an end to Satan, to death, to sin, to wickedness, to sickness, to cancer, to every form of injustice that we can find on the earth and He will wipe away every tears, and that will enter into a place of eternal joy. And I just want to say this to all of us here, friends. I know that life now is hard, but trust me, something ahead of us is going to come even harder. And I feel like, you know, what transpired in the last one year in 2020, I was talking to cons and entering 2021 after going through the entire ordeal of 2020 with all the circuit breaker and things like that and with all the things that's happening around the world right now, instead of feeling like, oh, what's going to happen? Cons and myself, we actually made a resolve in our hearts as a family that we say that we want to live intentional in light of the end. Not just for our sake, for the sake of my child, for the sake of Nathan. Why? Because I know by looking at all these things that are happening, according to scriptures, I know where this is going. And unless we come to a place where we can understand the world with the lens of God's Word and what He has intended for us ahead of us, we will be in a place of constantly, you know, wondering what's going to happen next, you know, what is going, what should we do now? Because there is already a set of instructions that God has given to us that is calling us to respond to wisdom by preparing ourselves. The life of Daniel is one. You know, the Matthew 24, 25 is another one. There's lots of wisdom and instruction that Jesus has given to us we shouldn't be caught by surprise by these things, but He's actually calling us, hey, if, if, you have see, if you are seeing these things, you know that it's happening. And all you have to do is to respond to the words of Jesus and live intentionally. And my prayer for the city family is this. I know all of us here, we, are, we have different walks of life, but I have, to, I, have to, I have to say this thing. The application of end times is nothing to do with what you can do now. In fact, what I mean by that is not do now, it means like you have to do something to, you know, to make it work or happen. The only thing that Jesus gave to us you know, in terms of instructions and application is to understand. And I, my prayer for you is this, that you will make a resolve in your heart to firstly live a fasted life that you say, I will not defile myself with the friendship of the world by living a consecrated life, a fasted lifestyle, to live in subjection to His Word and His, and His Spirit, and not only that, but also to live with a resolve to understand God's redemptive plan from, from the cross and as well as 
His second coming so that you can actually become a person of wisdom that will instruct others and prepare others to live in light of that day. What we need to do right now is to simply learn to understand. We are living in an immersive classroom right now and it's a good opportunity for us to look at our present world with the lens of the Word. So I'm just going to pray for all of us. And again, you know, this is a word that I feel like the Lord wants me to give to the city family because I feel like there is a unusual shift in our community in, light, in terms of like, you know, with all that Pastor Andre is calling as well, whatever Pastor Daniel was preaching last week, the call to prayer, the call to sobriety. And I know that there is an invitation from God. And I just want to encourage you that respond to the invitation. And you never know. The Lord might raise you up to be a beacon of light, a mouthpiece of the Lord to disciple others and prepare others to pre- uh, for the greatest trial in all human history. And I just want to pray for you guys. And if you can, just close your eyes wherever you are. And I just want you to put your hands on your heart and on your head. It's like to lay your hands on your mind and lay your hands on your, on your heart. And you just ask the Lord, even right now, you know, say, God, I'm just asking that you will begin to release an impartation of understanding. Your word says in Proverbs that in all thy getting, get understanding. The beginning, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Father, we just want to come before you with a trembling in our hearts, you know, knowing that the world that we live in, that we can't control with our own human hands or effort or power, but we know that you live sovereign above uh, in the affairs of men, and you know where this is going. And we are asking you as God's people before you that you will once again do this the same way that you did this for Daniel. I pray that you will do this for us in this present time and age, that you will impart wisdom, that you impart understanding. I'm asking for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God to be upon this community here, that you open the eyes of our hearts, that we may know the hope of your calling the inheritance that you have placed within us, the saints, and the immeasurable greatness of your power to those who believe. Father, we know that we have everything that we need in this present moment to live in a place of preparation in light of what is to come at the end. And you have given us the mercy and details of the end because you are calling us to respond in wisdom. We thank you for your mercy towards your people. And I just ask that you will help us as a family and I pray that even as we come back to the to church on Sunday, I pray that there will be a renewed sense of eagerness and, and a desire to press in, to know you, and to be filled with the knowledge of your will in, in the midst of all that's happening. In Jesus' name we pray, and all of God's people say, Amen. God bless you.